Praise the Lord. Let's pray over the word today. Let's get a little bit more serious, right? Or something. I don't know. He called for a little more laughter. Did you hear him say that? Okay, that's what happens. When a pastor makes a declaration over a house, it just happens. So let's pray now. Father, in Jesus' name, we are grateful to you. and We are thankful that we can be assembled and gathered today in the house of the Lord. We are thankful for this opportunity in this nation. And we give you praise and thanksgiving that our hearts are receptive and eager to hear what you have for us today. I bind distractions, interference, and interruption that today the word of the Lord falls on good fertile ground. That we are receptive vessels, useful for your purpose, able to conquer everything that the enemy brings against us. And thanking you that you live, abide, and dwell within us to make all things possible. And we thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So um, I want to open up the word today to Romans 12. Pastor Jerry ministered last week about making progress. And I just want to pick up on some things that he left off with last week and start from there. And so in Romans 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Now, that word beseech is not just I'm asking. This has some depth to it. When we are beseeching, it is almost like an urge and a begging, a pleading. This is what I'm asking of you, brethren. This is what I am longing to see happen in you, brethren. That by the mercies of God. So it's nice to know it's not by our own effort. It's by the mercy of God. Meaning God's ability to cover our life. But he goes on and says, this is what I'm urging and pleading with you for. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Hallelujah. He calls that reasonable. Presenting your body a living sacrifice. It'd probably do us all good instead of calling it our body, call it our, our living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In the next verse. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He says, do not be conformed to this world. You know, one of the greatest challenges that the church has is to not look like the world. One of the greatest challenges that the church has is to not look like the world. He says, don't be conformed to it. And we've talked many times about what the word conform means. It means to be molded after, fashioned like. It means to have one's mind and character to another's pattern. All these things are about conformity. That means that there is a conformity to the world that is a possibility if I'm not experiencing transformation. So we have conformity or we have transformation. And transformation means to be changed. But notice it says if you're going to be changed, the change that's going to happen in your life is by the renewing of your mind. So... I see here that the renewing of my mind is what brings for transformation. 
So it's what's happening in the mental realm is what's producing a transformation in my life. So maybe it's this fact that transformation is what's changing in my mind that possibly conformity is based on what's going on in my mind. That if transformation is happening when I change my mind about something, then maybe what I have to understand is conformity happens when I'm thinking the same way the world thinks. When I'm thinking the same way. That in my mind is the ability of conformity or transformation. Do you, does anyone see this with me? Okay. So it is a, a mental thing. So for transformation to happen in my life, I have to change my mind. And then it goes on so that I can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that word prove there is also used to be tested. But the word test here is an example of validating the genuineness of something. So if I will not be conformed to the world, but rather I'd be transformed or changed by the renewing of my mind, it's so that I can put before people what the genuine will of God is, the example of God, the, the proven things of God. So I need to understand that the conformity to the world leaves me without being an ambassador for the genuineness of God. If I'm conformed to the world, they don't know what God looks like. If I'm conformed to the world, they have no living example or living sacrifice before them that shows what God is like. And the way I'm going to start the change is not by changing my behavior, but instead I'm going to start by changing the way I think. Because when I can start changing the way I think about things, then change and transformation has begun and conformity begins to fall away. So it's a mind thing. In fact, Ephesians 4.23 even says this, be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And it's talking about the contrast between the old man without God and the new man with God. And it says there, you have to be renewed in the spirit of your mind so that the old man dies and the new man is resurrected. So this is a mind thing. Now, I'm not about mind over matter and all that. This is about Jesus, okay? Let's just be clear on that, okay? This is about Jesus. But what he's asking us to do is not just change in actions, but he says change in the way you think. Because if you can change in the way you think, then you're going to be changed in the way you act. See, God is challenging us that we not just change what we see, but how we see things. And right now, there's opportunity to look out in the world and see a lot of things. But how are you going to see it? How are you going to see it? Are you going to see it as an opportunity for God to invade and show something the world has never seen before? Or are you going to see it as a way of, 
Well, look what they're doing now. We're all going to hell in a handbasket. Glad I got Jesus. At least I'll go to heaven. Things are crazy out there. And what we have to do is we have to understand that as the church of the living God, we are not called to conformity and making life simple in darkness. But instead, we be a demonstration of light that makes darkness tremble. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's go over to Mark chapter 8. Because it's a living sacrifice. Are you still with me? Okay. Mark chapter 8. And it gives us this understanding. Because right now what we're focusing on is not being conformed to thinking the same way the world thinks. And the world is um, can be used synonymously in Scripture as those in operation without God. It can even mean a time, a time element. It can even mean the progress of darkness. It can mean all kinds of things in Scripture when it's referring to the world. But what we have to understand is God is expecting there to be a church in the earth that doesn't look like the world. God is expecting that. He is expecting that there is a people that are not going to conform to the way the world does things, but they are so transformed by the way that they think that God can hold them and present them before humanity and say, this is the kind of life I want for all of mankind. That's what he's wanting to do. And we, in order for us to achieve this, we have to start out presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. So it goes here in verse 36 of Mark chapter 8. For what will a profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, if we backed up to verse 35 in the same scripture, it says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And he's talking about who's willing to give up their God-appointed life for just living like the world. And he's saying that in this passage, everyone has an element of an exchange in their heart and mind. Everyone in their heart and mind has what we could say a value system of what's right in exchange. In fact, let's go to the Passion Translation in that verse 37. and says, And what could be more valuable to you than your own soul or your God life? What is more valuable to you than your God life? Now, each and every one of us has a, um, a value system, okay? And in, in uh, let me say it this way, because, you know, you're all wondering what, what kind of props we're going to use, right? How many of you came in today and thought, oh, Trudy must be speaking because we have props today? How many of you thought that? I want to know. Hallelujah. I haven't figured out if I need to prop me up or it helps me prop you up. I haven't figured out, but we have props. Hallelujah. 
But if I was going to use this example that this is a heart, not because it's black. Black just hid everything underneath it better, okay? It's, it's a heart. And in your heart, there is positions. There's positions in your heart. And in your heart, there is different things. You know, there is the need for recreation, entertainment, playtime and toys. Okay, your motorcycle, Doug. Is your playtime. There's nothing wrong with that affection in your heart. Needing times of breaking away and doing something fun, doing something enjoyable. There is, even for some people, there's a value in the heart, and it's this money. It becomes valuable to the heart. Now, we know that all of us need basic things, food, water, shelter, etc. So there is a need to place some value on that, right? You need some cashola to operate. Does anybody else get that besides me? Okay. How many of you know that the biggest problem we've got is that you can get cashola without any labor? That's a problem, right? Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, here's another one. Family. Family can become valuable to the heart. Every mom says, yes, amen, that's right. Right? Valuable, okay? Um, let's see what else have I got in here. All right, here's one. The phone. It's not that the phone is, is but we value relationships, other people. And that, that phone, okay, 20 years ago, it was non-existent. I just went on a youth retreat. I don't know if any kids on that retreat were phoneless. Some of them left them behind at the request of the parent. But it's like, this is a lifeline. But if you needed 911 out in the middle of the desert, that becomes very valuable, right? Okay. How about the house of God? The house of God has value in the heart, doesn't it? Becomes valuable in the heart. The house of God is to propagate an atmosphere that makes it easy for you to allow God in. That's what the house of God is designed for, to create an atmosphere where you find yourself, when you leave the house, more willing to let God in than you did when you came in. Because all week long, you are being pushed to keep God out. And so when you come in, then you come into the house of God and atmosphere is created and you become more receptive to the things of God. It's of necessity. Here's one. It's called me, myself, and I. Sometimes me, myself, and I, I don't know if that'll stay up there. Can I see if it does do that? Becomes very important. Me, 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 me. What about me, 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 me? What about the way I feel, 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 feel? What about what I want, 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 want? What about me, 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 me? 
and it becomes very valuable to us in our heart, all about me. All about me. Well, here's a novel idea since we're in church. How about God? How about God having a place of value in our heart? See, we have, without knowing it, we have these positions within our heart of what we consider most valuable. And at any time, these things can shift. At any time, these things can change. At any time, these things can be altered. Because a crisis hits in the family, and suddenly, family is more important than work. Right? Well, we've been working so hard, getting so tired, had family pressure. What I need now is a little R&R time. Okay? And so then we get our R&R time, but it was empty and was void because nobody else went with us. So then we work on relationship. Do you see how this works? And what happens is, Whatever is of most value in your heart is what you will tend to, but is also what's giving you direction in your life. It's, what, it's what's giving you the direction in your life. Okay? So that means the risk is that this part of our life can go all the way down to here. This part of our life can go all the way down here. Now, what I know should be right, what I know should be right, should be to have God at the top. I know that should be right. I know that's the right thing. In fact, you can look over, let's look over to Matthew chapter 6. And a key verse that we, we share often here. And it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. What are the things? The things are these other things. The pleasures. The money, the family, the self-image, the friends. All of those things will be added to you if you can keep this first. If you can keep this at the top of the position of your heart. If you can put this as the most important. Because that's what's key, is what is the most important. Because our soul is going to act and operate according to the values that we maintain. So how do we consider, how do we know if something is valuable to us? How do we know where our values are? Well, first of all, we think of something valuable that costs us a lot to achieve, a price paid for it. You know, something that's worth 10 cents may not have the value to it that's something that's worth $10,000. Because the great, great price paid for something tends to make it more valuable. For instance, the water bottle sitting in your car 
is probably not as valuable an asset to you than your car. But if you're dying of thirst, you care less about the car, right? Because also value is determined by what is needed at the moment. What is needed at the moment. You know, and um, another thing that will determine value is how rare something is. You know, how rare something is. If there's just a few of something made, it has a tendency to be more valuable than something that came off the uh, assembly line and there was hundreds and thousands of it. So sometimes our, the value of something is determined by how rare it is. Sometimes um, something can be determined how valuable it is by how it looks. How it looks. You know, it looks better, so it's worth more. Sometimes value is determined by how it personally will affect me. Does it advantage me? Okay. Well, that may not advantage you, but it advantages me, so it's worth more to me than it is to you. I think they say one man's trash is another man's. Thank you. You're all yard sailors, huh? Praise the Lord. See, it's about what would it advantage me? What would it put me over on? Sometimes it's about what it can do. It's usefulness. Something's, something is useful. You know, um, a sledgehammer is not the ideal tool to work on your car engine. However, maybe you've got a rebellious car engine. I don't know. Or in our case growing up, my sister ran it out of oil and the engine was seized. It did take a hammer. Anyway, so... Um, but what that, a particular tool for a particular task makes that tool very, very valuable, okay? So what we have to understand is this value system, everyone's got one, saved or unsaved. This value system has to be marked by the fingerprints of God or else we're living in conformity. If we want transformation, that means one of the things that has to change in our soul and our mind is how we value what we value. Now understand this, I work with the young people. I have for a lot of years worked with the young people and I'm always shocked about how parents will put family in a position, now this is no slam on any of you parents because you parents are perfect, okay? You're perfect. But you, parent, are the one called to train that child how to live for God. And I hear things for that have come out of kids. Now I said a long time, 35 years we, I've been working with kids, that they say this to me. Well, I just have to tell them I've got a story to make up about my homework and then they don't make me go to church. I just have to convince mom and dad of this, and then they won't make me do that for God. What does that tell me? The parent's value system is getting its leading out of family and not out of this. And I could use other things, other illustrations as well, okay? That's just one point I know that we can relate to. You know, and it could be, well, kids, 
You need to get a job. You need to work. You need to make money. Okay? But if that money, if that money-making plan interferes with the value I place on God, it isn't worth it. It's not worth it. See, look at, analyze your value system in your mind. What is important? What is the driving force in your value system? What is it that is the top of the line important? Because we have to understand this. Just because God is in our heart does not make mean that God is the most important thing in our heart. Just because we are born again does not mean that he has absolute control. Because God always gives free will. He always gives free will. He will never, ever force you to value him above anything else. Never. And because for many of us, he is a silent partner, we're never challenged on what we really value. Because we have made choices with our soul. We have made choices with our heart concerning the pecking order of our life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because God wants us to seek first the kingdom of God does not mean that's what we're all doing. It's what he wants. It's what he wants. But yet it may not necessarily be how it's happening in our life. Do you remember in the announcements when I said, sometimes you go to a church, they don't only say what you want them to say, but yet they say it so that we can progress and grow? This is one of those moments. Okay? Okay. So we are working on nonconformity. Now, we could talk for a minute here. So the world without God. If we're going to be non-conforming, let's think for a moment. The value system of the world without God, what would be on the top? The money? Okay. I hear the money. Here's the money. Okay. That would be on the top. What would be on the bottom? Okay. The word? Probably the house of God down there too, huh? Okay. What else do you think? Probably, I'm guessing, self is one pretty well up there, don't you think? It's probably up there. Probably, I'd say this. Fun, pleasure, what makes me feel good. That's probably up there, right? You know, of course, we know there's a variety of different peoples out there that think different things. So what we got left, we could put this down here. We've got relationships, family. Some of you are probably fortunate even to be raised in an ungodly family, but yet was a family that, that followed family guidelines. But so if we're going to be non-conforming, think about this. We're, as a church, we're going to be transformed by the way our value system works. Then what we're going to have to do is probably not go in this pattern. 
we're probably have to not follow along with this, right? So we're going to have to make sure that this is not the order that we live by because our mission is to be an example of the good, the perfect will of God, the acceptable, the good, the perfect will of God so that the world can see who God is, what he's like, and the life that he has for each and every person on the earth. So we're going to have to change this around. This is conformity to the world. This is not changing to be like God. This is the way the world sees things. And like I said, not every person in the world is just like this. Some of the people in the world are more about self than money, right? It's not always the same, but still it remains that what's on the bottom, until, until, Hell breaks loose in the house until there's a problem, right? And then what happens? But the problem is they don't know how to access that. So they've got to pull someone with them that can help them. Hopefully that someone is you on the other end of that line that has kept this this way. Because if they contact a person that has this down here, all they're going to get is reinforcement of this up here. And it's still an empty life, isn't it? Okay? So, like I said, each one of these things has value in every heart. But what we're focusing in on is the order of the value. The order of the value. What's most important? What is the thing that will put me over to be a living example of the proof of the life of God? That's what we're working on. All right? So we know as believers then that this order is wrong. Okay, let's do this again. So we're, we are being changed by the renewing of our mind. So what needs to be the top priority? So we all agree this has to be the top, right? Okay. Then what? The fellowship, church, think this. Hmm. Up here? Hmm. So then I can determine my value system by what I will sacrifice for to have it on the top. What will I sacrifice for God? What will I sacrifice for the house of God? You know, a lot of people are so miserable with themselves, they're like, yeah, put that at the bottom. <laughs> I don't really care about me no more. Did that, wore the T-shirt, now I'm bummed. Okay. But does this ever happen? 
Does this ever happen? It does, doesn't it? Because in any current moment, there's a reevaluation of what's important now, right? But yet God says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all this will be added. Okay? Seek first the kingdom of God, and it will be added. For instance, there is an order. If I am going to walk in forgiveness, okay? Say someone has done something to me, hurt me, or offended me. There is a tendency to do this, how it affected me, right? Are you following this? Is this too, is this too, too weird? I just want to know. Okay. Could be weird. I don't care. Anyway, Jerry will rebuke me later. So if I'm going to walk in unforgiveness, this is what I'm going to do. But if I'm going to walk in forgiveness, there is a mandate and a requirement that I have to exalt this above this. Right? I have to. If I'm going to be a forgiver, I have to exalt this because this is what gives me the guidelines of forgiveness. Right? So I have to put this value. If I am going to walk in forgiveness, I'm going to have to value that more than me. I'm going to have to value God more than me. So in the world, if someone was, let's say this, covetous in the world, because they're not in the church. Nobody's covetous in the church, right? So what that would do is that would move this down, put this up, and then the next thing, because it's covetousness, that would mean the care for other people has to be below it. The money thing is controlling me no matter how much it damages you because covetousness is operating in my life. I care more about the money than I care about you and I care about God. Do you see that? See, in every situation, there is an order of what we value. Every emotion we come up against, every challenge we face, every decision we make, there is a value system that's released into our heart to help us make that decision. And anytime we shuffle this as less important, we're more likely to make the wrong decision, have the wrong emotion, have the wrong reaction, have the wrong response. Because conformity to the world goes according to what it feels like instead of what is right. Hallelujah. So we have to understand the value of keeping this up there where it's supposed to be. And for some, it's this. It's not that way for every believer. I said to our prayer team yesterday, isn't it amazing? We live in God's country and we're the least church state in the union. Oh, well, I'm praying about it. Hallelujah. You know, um, I, I shared with um, you last fall, I believe it was, in September, 
when the Spirit of the Lord woke me up in the night. I don't mean I heard an audible voice. It was down inside me. And he woke me up and he said, would you commit to prayer as a calling and a position in the earth? And I thought, well, yeah, I'll commit to prayer. And then I understood the depth of what he was asking me to do. I understood it. And I was like, oh, why? Me, 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 me. Was exalted above him, 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 him. Okay? But what the Spirit of the Lord did at that point is he began to work in me. And he said, would you do it? if your nation is going to be lost if you don't. And I thought, well, you know, the nation. You know, there's a lot of people that pray. There's a lot going on. And, you know, it's, it's not as big a deal to me because I'm just one of millions, right? And then he said, would you do it if the state of Oregon would be lost if you didn't? Well, I live here, but, you, you know, you can always move, right? You know, see what God is chipping at? My value system. And then he said, would you do it if your church family would be lost? Now we're talking some fighting words. Value is increasing on what he's talking to me about. Then he got down to my family, my spouse. And what he began to show me in this in recent days is I had to get it to where you counted it valuable before it would move you. I had to get it to where you thought it was valuable before it would alter your life. God is always wanting him to be the most valuable that when he gives a command, it's yes, sir, I obey and I'm on it. But this whole system of values, of conformities to the world, gets fuzzy in our ears, and we don't hear. Because we can be so stuck on this. It's funny how we think we're supposed to arbitrate with God. Well, I'll do it if. Can I get a bigger? You know, it's not a contract. It's just a commitment because of what he's done. Now, think about this. We consider things valuable because how rare they are, how useful they are, how unique they are, how much it costs. Well, let's think about God for a minute. He gave his entire life with blood for you and me. And the walk I have with God will never be equivalent to another human being's walk. My walk with God is rare and unique because it's just me and him. And he's never created another person just like me. So that makes that valuable much more because the walk I have with God is rare and unique. You don't have one like me. I don't have one like you. But we're all called to one. Amen? How useful it is. In him I live and move and have my being. That's what makes that so valuable to me. And there's no reason that God isn't the most valuable thing in any of our lives. The word said, he is worthy. He is worth it. He should be the most valuable in our life. Amen. And how we determine that value speaks of who I think God is. Amen. So we have to understand this, that everyone 
that is born again will face the opportunity to compromise this at the value, top value. Everyone born again, because that's what the enemy does. He chips away on what you think is most valuable in your life when you set God up as that. Everyone will be faced with the opportunity to compromise this. That's why the word is filled with warnings about it. Everyone born again will face an opportunity or a challenge that will ask them to compromise this. If you yield to the compromise, your spiritual growth is stopped. If you don't take the compromise, then what happens is your character becomes developed because you've reached a new pivotal point of saying yes to something and no to something else. And that's what character is. Character is the ability to say yes and no at the appropriate times. And so when you don't take the opportunity to compromise, your character in God becomes more fully developed. You know, you can think of it this way. Over the years, I've had lots of opportunity to work with men and women that have what's called in their life regret. Regret. And I have come to conclude one thing about regret. Regret is no more than they valued the wrong thing at an opportune time. No more than valuing the wrong thing at an opportune time. They come to their end of their life and they have lots of regret. Why do you have regret? Well, I didn't do this with my kids and I didn't do this with God and I didn't do this and I didn't do that. See, you valued the wrong thing at a place in your life. All regret is, is valuing the wrong thing at a particular time. You know, you, you can even get with those that are recovering from hurts, habits, and hangups. The problem is getting them to value the right thing at the right time. Am I not correct? That's what it's about. What do you value? S divorces, split up, separation. I didn't value what I had when I had it. I didn't value what I could have done when I could have done it. Everyone wants to be added value, but we can't guarantee that. What we can guarantee is what we will value. And so if we want to be a people without regret, our job is to value the right thing at the opportune time. Amen? See, because serving God and following him is never about convenience and ease. God is endeavoring to make our life better, not necessarily more comfortable and easy. But sometimes we go through better to get comfortable and easy on the other side. Sometimes there's constraints. You can't do that anymore. Here's one for me. This is the one I have to fight. Don't look at the news. Don't look at the news. You're leading a people to pray in the spirit. Don't look at the news. But I could just like to find out if it's working. Don't look at the news. See, I have to tune it out. Because I want to be spiritually led, not naturally led. And so if I, will, if I will put that aside, I can be better at leading prayer. I can be more efficient at leading prayer. But it sure be easy to pray about the headlines. But that's not what the call is. 
The call is to make it better, not easy. And when it gets better, it will be easy. Amen? So, let's look at the reason it's so important to get God at the top. Let's go to James chapter 1. This will be our last scripture that we go today. James chapter 1, verse 17. It says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from below. It's from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So we have all these values in our life, all these, wow, no more fun for you. We have these values and these things that are important and these positions that are necessary. Again, let me reinstate, there is nothing wrong with any of these things. The problem is, is when these things have a higher place in our heart than God himself has. Okay, but it says every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. So it's like this. This is what it's like. When you follow God, when you serve God, when you walk with God, then what happens is this word opens up and this word then becomes the catalyst that the power of God and the blood of the Lamb cover every other thing. And it flows down. Now there's still a choice on whether or not we're going to allow this to be submitted to it. But it is very unlikely that if God is the priority, is clear down here, look at all the things that are uncovered by what God could do. Look at all the things. Let me have just the Bible. Thank you. See, when we, when we keep God at the top, because he says, it comes down from me. It comes down from me. It comes down from me. The blessing of the Lord comes down from me. But if he's at the priority clear down here, then I've got things unexposed to the blessing. And the idea is get everything exposed to the blessing of God. Get everything exposed. So if everything in my life is going to be exposed to the blessing of God, what I have to do is keep God on the highest place, platform, and value in my life. Because if I do that, then I have grace to hear, how do I handle family? How do I handle money? When do I take R&R time? I can hear God about that. But if I put God down here, I will be left to my own assumption how to operate in life. And when I'm left to my own assumption, it's not good. And we have to realize this. We all have excuses and reasons of why this thing is more important right now or why this thing is more important right now. But we must understand this. We will never, ever be absent of the fruit of how we prioritize our life. We might have an excuse or a reason why that my friends were more important, but you will never get apart from the fact that you're going to get the reality of making your 
kid or your friends more important than God. Hallelujah. It's foolishness to think that we can have a reason for the order and not have to live by the fruit of that order. We will have to live by the fruit of that order. And God's saying, put me in the highest place in your heart because if I'm in the highest place of your heart, I can cover everything else. The word of God even tells us not to forget our first love. Okay? Because our excuses for how we position our values will never exempt us from receiving the results of our value system. Our excuses do not disqualify how we did this. But God wants to be at top. Do you know God knows how to do friends? God has streets of gold. He knows something about investment and return. God knows how to have fun. It says he sits in the heavens and laughs at his enemies. Right? God knows how to take care of you and me. He knows how to take care of our family. He knows what works in relationship. He knows how to do service in the house of God. He knows all of that. But the key is putting him at the highest position of the heart so that everything that we need flows out of him down to us instead of us running a race all by ourselves. Amen? Hallelujah. So what we have to understand is that what we want to do is we want to set our values in line with Him. Set our values in line with Him. Because when we set our values in line with Him, we'll get the life that He is living. Amen? Which, in case you didn't know, it's better than yours and mine. Amen? Hallelujah. Did you get something today? Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WO Victory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.